So welcome back to the Diaries of the Wild Ones. Now this episode is so different. So I'm not sure if this is a Naughty Boy episode or not, but for this episode, I want to give a huge shout out to Get Well Soon Australia, organic CBD oil. What's good for the earth is good for you. Now, if you guys want to get your hands on some CBD oil, go to getwellsoonaustralia.com.au and put in the 10% discount code WILDONES, all one word, capital letters. I highly, highly recommend this product and I fully back it. Now, again, due to current legislation here in Australia, we have to say it's for topical use only. <coughs> cough. <coughs> Sorry, not, not. <coughs> Sorry, I had a weird cough in my throat just then. So go to getwellsoonaustralia.com.au and allow yourself to treat yourself. Okay, so this episode made me feel like Joe Rogan or like Aubrey Marcus, as they have my favorite and most interesting scientists on all the time speaking about this topic. Names like Paul Stamets, Graham Hancock, Dennis McKenna, and the late Terence McKenna. Now, they love diving into this topic, and I love listening to it. So for this episode, you're going to have to keep a really open mind. But God, it is so interesting. So I welcome back to the podcast, the activist and documentary maker, Dean Jeffries. Dean Jeffries was in our last episode. It was brilliant. It was so interesting. But this time, Dean, the documentary maker of Shamans of the Amazon, The Invisible People, and also that he did the last interview with the late Terence McKenna. It's called The Last Word. You can go on YouTube. You can look it up. Also, go find Sh Shamans of the Amazon. Interesting as hell. Now, this episode with Dean is all about his stories with shamans in the Amazon and introducing him to ayahuasca and the toad 5-MeO DMT. Now, before I lose you there, for those who haven't heard of what it is, okay, you're going to hear three ancient plant medicines in this. The ones Joe Rogan is always talking about. 5-MeO-DMT, ayahuasca, and DMT. Now, this is, um, I just downloaded this from Wikipedia, so I'm just going to read it out, just a brief description. Okay, so the first one, 5-MeO-DMT, is a psychedelic of the tryptamine class. It is found in a wide variety of plant species and is also secreted by the glands of at least one toad species, the Sonoronin, I think I said that right, Sonoronin, desert toad. Like its close relative DMT, it has been used in shamanic practices in South America to reach highest states of consciousness. Okay, now ayahuasca, very similar, but different, very different as well. But okay, ayahuasca. Now, ayahuasca is South American brew used both socially and ceremonial spiritual medicine among indigenous people of the Amazon basin. Ayahuasca is prepared in a tea that when consumed causes an altered state of consciousness or high, including visual hallucinations and altered perceptions of reality. Now, DMT, which is also ayahuasca without the vine that numbs the liver to, to make it kind of go longer. Now, DMT, dimethyltryptamine, is a substituted tryptamine that occurs in many plants and animals and which is both a derivative and a structural analog of a tryptamine. It is used as a recreational psychedelic drug and prepared by various cultures for ritual purposes to reach higher states of consciousness does did i who did i just lose this then <laughs> okay now have i lost you there are you still with me so basically it's plant medicine used by ancient cultures that helps you connect to your true self split your ego and connect to divine energy it has been used in indigenous cultures all around the world I myself have yet to do ayahuasca or 5-MeO-DMT, and I do not promote or condone the use of these to anyone. Now, anyone wanting to practice or wanting to use plant medicine, you should do it when they are ready within themselves to grow 
and do it with a qualified shaman. I can't stress this enough. The space really needs to be held for you. Now, this goes for DMT too, which is which I've sat in ceremony with many times, and I myself have grown a lot from it, but it's not for everyone. And again, I don't condone it, but fuck, it is just so interesting to talk about, and it's so interesting to hear Dean's journey in South America and Mexico with it. Keep an open mind and enjoy this podcast. I just, I just start talking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I just start talking. This is the perfect place to start. You know, like I'm, I'm hitchhiking up the coast and you're a sailor yourself. Your son's a sailor and your son's picked me up and, and we're sailing up together. It's, you know, up the coast of Queensland here and straight away, Dean, this is a dynamic I've never really seen before as father, son, two separate boats, you know, sailing together. And I was just like... You know, your son Sage told me that he grew up 10 years on this boat before he bought his own with you. And I was just thinking like, wow, what a capable human. And then I, then I just, you know, to be able to do that. And then I'm thinking like, like as a dad, like what was for you as a dad, you know, buying a boat, was that something that you wanted to give your kids? Well, I started off, I, I bought my own boat when I was Sage's age. So I've, I was introduced to sailing at a, a really young age and then you know, just the whole rent story around Byron was just getting crazy. And I thought, well, why don't I just buy a boat? You know, I could pay for the boat in like two years of rent. You know, it's not it's not rocket science, you know. And so I bought a boat and then Sage and, and Jazzy lived on the boat here half time with me uh, in, in Bruns. And then um, I used to take Sagey sailing with me. You know, he's my first mate. You know, we go up to Harvey Bay and hang out with the whales for you know, a couple of months every year. And uh, I guess eventually he just fell in love with it and thought, geez, you know, why wouldn't you, you know? <laughs> yeah. How do, you, how do you feel for you, like, giving that tool to your son? You know what I mean? Like, now that you're seeing him with his own boat sailing, the fact that, like, you kind of introduced him to that and you're like, hey, hey, son, here's some freedom. You know, is that is that, are you proud? Yeah, I mean, I have many proud dad moments, you know. And, yeah, to see him in his power, you know, like captain of your own boat at 21 is, like, pretty amazing, you know. So, uh, yeah, and it feels feels nice to be able to share that uh, with him and, and see him on his path, you know. It's it's incredible to see your, your child on, on their path so early in life and so empowered too because you have to be as a sailor, you know. You, there's no one else making decisions for you, you know. If you pick the wrong route and you end up in a thunderstorm like we did yesterday. <laughs> yeah, like we did yesterday, yeah. <laughs> well, uh, then, you know, it's all fun and games. Yeah, man, that yesterday was pretty wild. When I, but I love feeling the power of the storm, but, you know, we were nervous and... But that, that's the thing. It's like, I really want to do that as a parent is buy, I always said buy a yacht and buy a bus. Because every time I've met kids that have grown up on a boat, they're just such capable humans. Because the thing is, when you are sailing, like you said, you've just got to step up. You can't check out. Yeah. You know, when the wind comes, the wind comes. When the weather comes, the weather comes. And you've just got to, you've got to step up and deal with it. Yeah, and fix everything too. Like there's no NRMA that can just come out and fix your boat. You know, you have to be not only a sailor, but an electrician, a mechanic, a, you know, weather forecaster, or everything, a sailor. You know, it's, uh, it's, it's huge. Yeah. And, uh, you know, just seeing how Sage can now pull a power motor, whereas before he just wouldn't even know where to start, you know, wouldn't know where the spark plug was. So interesting, man. I just, um, so... You know, true diaries of the wild ones fashion is like, you know, I'm letting this experience take me traveling. And the whole thing is, is to, to interview people along the way. And, 
And when I met your son, I was like, oh my God, a sailor. I'm going to interview him. He's going to have some stories for sure. And then meeting you, I'm like, okay, another sailor. Here's an old sea dog. I'm like, what stories is Dino going to have? Mm-hmm. You know, and then I started talking to you to you last night and I already know that you're interesting because you've lived on your boat around Byron for years. Like you're from the Byron Shire. You've been an activist. You've been involved in, in um, you know, like there's a thing from the Echo from the Byron Shire local newspaper right here of you um, protesting against Japan uh, killing killing whales. And, you know, I'm like, God, this guy's going to be so interesting. And then straight away, you tell me, you know, back in your heyday 30 years ago, you make a, a documentary about ayahuasca. And um, that is something that, you know, I've been so interested in being going down that path myself. But that's what I really want to want to ask you here in this in the story that I I would like to to go into with you is where your journey began with with ayahuasca and the Amazon and and probably the first question is is for for the listeners is what is ayahuasca ayahuasca yeah well when I first went to the Amazon uh, what thirty years or so ago I had no idea I was just went for a walk through the forest with this friend and shaman dude and started picking leaves and. It's uh, it's uh, ayahuasca is a mixture of leaves and a vine. So the lo- leaves are usually Psychotria viridis, which has got DMT in it, and um, the vine is um, it's, it's ayahuasca. So it's a it's a vine uh, that grows in the Amazon that the shamans have used for thousands of years for healing and divination, and uh, it's it's probably one of the apart from I guess uh, ganja with the Indian people, the hashish. Um, it's probably you know one of the biggest psychedelic religions on earth yeah right so were you just literally just backpacking with your with your maiden and you were just cruising through the amazon yeah well i i sold my farm and i bought a camera a box of tapes and a world ticket and someone a friend to visit in ecuador who was working on some uh indigenous environmental campaigns so I, uh, I went there and, and then just got introduced to these shamans, you know, quite accidentally really, and then just ended up in the middle of the jungle drinking this stuff that just changed my whole world, really. So, can you, what happened when you first drank it? <laughs> well, it's funny, you know, because I, I thought that indigenous cultures had used psychedelics to pass on ancestral knowledge down through the, through the bloodlines, and I, I just had this feeling, you know, and uh, it, it wasn't until I actually experienced it, I thought, wow, of course, you know, because the psychedelics, they, 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 they live in a timeless space, you know, so ancestral knowledge can be passed on. You know, you don't have to do it verbally. You go into a journey with your son or grandson and you can transfer a vast amount of, of, of knowledge just in, you know, call it another dimension, but, you know, um, in, in a way that we're not used to, you know, we think we've got to read it in books and be told, but there's actually, you can have transference of knowledge in the psychedelic realms, you know, and they have, you know, for thousands of years, you know, I mean, they even talk about Soma being, a, you know, um, you know, that the, the, the Vedics used, you know, 10,000 years ago or whatever, you know, like a long time ago, being either fly aragic or um, a mixture of, of the tryptamines like acacia, and like a Syrian roux, um, yeah. which is like a ayahuasca. So yeah, I mean the psychedelics have been used for you know thousands of years. Is it true that I remember on Joe Rogan with oh, Terence McKenna maybe or whatever they're saying a uh, you know dimethyltryptamine has been found to be DMT to to be made in our liver and our pineal gland, and it's what it gets excreted when you die, which they're found with mice. Yeah, I mean there's you know it was Rick Straussman too who did a 
wrote the book DMT, The Spirit Molecule, and one of his uh, theories is that, yeah, we have DMT, which uh, comes at both at, the, at life and in death. We extrude, excrete it from our pineal gland. So, and, and DMT is found in many, many plants and animals, too, around the, around the world, like especially here in Australia. We've got the acacias, which are, as Terence McKenna says, jammed with DMT. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I remember um, when I first... When I first um, experienced it uh dimethyltryptamine and um or when i when i was first like going into that that realm i remember i was talking to uh rio about it and he said um he just said this really interesting thing that made me think because i was always wondering like why is this such an eastern thing why is it you know the shamans guide you for a religious experience i was like why isn't this in the west and i remember him saying like you know christianity and and has been the religious experience has been saved for the priest and then they pass on their knowledge to you and tell you how to be mm. where he said with this as the shaman is giving you the religious experience it's knowing that you are your own god mm. that you create your reality that you're in charge of it and, and they just guide you to give you that information and that was his explanation with me and i i don't know what your your thoughts are on that, that but it yeah well i would add to that that the shaman just holds space and then it's the plants or the you know sometimes the the toad medicine that that gives you the the full experience and connection the the, the shaman's role i think rather than giving you the experience is just to hold a clear container um, so that the full light of the experience can come through yeah and and help to guide it too like with with the shamans in the amazon they they use various forms like pranic healing, uh, using leaves, um, chants, incantations, herbs to to help heal the body wherever it's out of alignment. So the shaman definitely does has have a role, but sometimes I see you know more effort, um, emphasis than is needed go on the actual shaman uh, rather than just allowing the plant or the toad or whatever to. Um, to to give you the full experience do you remember your first experience where you went like your your teachings what you learned or the first couple like what was it for you that changed your world and went wow this is something that is going to make me grow as a person Mm. yeah well it was that very first time in the jungle where i had no idea what ayahuasca was and they just passed the cup around and then and then all of a sudden I, i i felt this um this knowing that this has been done throughout human evolution you know and and i'm experiencing this other part of human evolution with the passing down of ancestral knowledge through these um sacred dimensions that are brought uh on by you know the tryptamine palace as uh james horick would say you know the the tryptamines are you know they're in in, it's an incredible molecule that is being presented to humanity at the moment um you know we've had the psilocybin mushrooms we've had mescaline the cactus but now the the tryptamines are really you know they're like the 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 lead show at the moment uh as far as guiding human evolution i believe do you know what i always found so wild is that you know, I would have an experience, and I, I remember one of my first experiences. I went to this, I, I broke through um, into another dimension, and it was uh, this Egyptian planet. It was a sun planet, and all there was all these pyramids, and they're all floating. And I was just there, and it was more real than this reality. And I was there, and I was just observing, just watching Egyptians walk around me, and they are all spaceships. And I know it sounds so weird, and I come out of the experience, and I was like, "Wow, I was just tripping. That was a cool like hallucination." 
And then I was like, oh, and I was writing down everything that I saw, right? And then I go straight onto Google and I Google Egyptian planet on DMT. And straight up, all these forums come up with people. And the first one that I read was this guy in 1972 writing down his experience of when he went to the sun planet with the Egyptian um, spaceships and watching the Egyptians. And, and it was exactly what I had saw, like what he described. And I was like, I just remember in that moment, I was like, this is, that wasn't a hallucination. Mm. If someone else has like traveled there or someone else has been there. Mm. Yeah. So, so what did it first start teaching you in, inside yourself? Yeah. I guess um, what I realized was that there is another world going on here that I didn't really understand. I mean, I'd, I'd had, you know, experiences with psychedelics before, mushrooms and, and different cactuses and things, but having it with the indigenous people in the guided ceremony, it just, it showed me this other world. And then over, you know, over many sessions, I started to use it as a as a tool first just my jaw dropped and went holy you know holy fuck you know this is insane you know and then and then after a while and talking with other people and stuff started realizing that you can actually put intentions in before you go into ceremony so you might say okay i want to release the trauma i have about my father leaving me or abusing me or whatever you know and then and so you know you go in there and then you let that intention go and then when you drink and then it's like your spirit guides or whatever know that that's what you're wanting to clear and so the energy will go to that area in your soul in your being that's hold still holding that trauma and then sometimes it'll bring it up you know it'll like you'll see it like it happens like in the moment and then mm. and then you you might see the suffering that your father had you know that caused him to do that you know and so somehow a situation can be like brought up and then resolved and released and so then when you come out of it and you see wow you know that was traumatic but my father did that because he was abused or whatever in yeah. the past and so then you can release that and then you release that whole pattern that may have created you wanting to date abusive men because they're like your father you know and so you can release these negative patterns in your life that uh you know some psychologists like Stanislav Grof for example who used to be a psychologist you know he says you can you can do like years of of psychotherapy in one session with ayahuasca or or toad or whatever this is what I found when I was um in India meditating in silence I was in a pagoda and there was 70 students and all these monks and I was only five westerners and it was just a lot of energy you know like everyone meditating together and you know two weeks in silence i think it was 12 days we did not the 10 we did 12 in there and that time in silence i went to like i wanted to heal my wounds from the seven year relationship i'd just come out of and it was funny and i sat there and the only thing that came up was was my childhood stuff with parents it was like you know the you know you peel a bit of the rug away and then like this memory comes up and then you like heal you know you you deal with it and heal it and and it moves on right and it took two weeks to clear some of this stuff that had come up and then i remember um i really wanted to try dmt for this reason to to go a bit deeper and i went out to nimbin and tried to get it I, i i was going around and and everyone that had it couldn't it just wouldn't come to me and i remember this guy just said to me look it's one of those things that finds you when you're ready now i had just dated these two different women just lightly like uh, there was one girl hannah that was um i was one of my best friends and then we, we started dating and there's something for me just 
wasn't right. And I was like, nah, I just want to be mates. And I, I couldn't do it. And then next thing I start dating this other girl, Chanel, and we really get along. Everything's perfect. I was like, nah, I'm just not going to do it. Right. And then next thing, DMT comes into my life for the first time right then and there. And just after I've, you know, like had this pattern and we do this ceremony and I go in and I just shoot off and my ego just splits from me. I just remember it just splitting and it was screaming for control. You know, I was like, as deep as I ever went in that two weeks meditating, I suddenly just got shot off way deeper in within hmm. freaking a second, you know? And next thing, my ego is so split from me and it's just like screaming for control and I'm just left there with my soul and I'm looking down this tunnel and Lexi, my ex-girlfriend, comes to me. She's down there and I'm like, whoa, Lexi, what are you doing? And the next thing, Henna comes in and I try and morph Henna up with Lexi. And then I went, oh, she doesn't fit. And I went, oh, I can't love her and pushed her on. And the next thing, Chanel comes in and the whole thing, I line her up with Lexi and I went, oh, I can't love her and push her on. And then I look over to the side and here's Hannah and um, Chanel, these two most beautiful manifestations of love that there is. And my ego is saying that they don't, they're not worthy of love because they're not, I only know one way to love because I've only loved once before. Mm. And it was showing me, it's like, they're all worthy of love. I just have to allow it. And I came out, you know, and, and then, you know, two years later, I, well, a year later, I start dating a girl. And the first thing I did was this meditation every morning to allow myself to, to love them. Hmm. But it was funny. It was like then, you know, there was a breakdown in that relationship where, because it actually wasn't healthy for, for me and I was, you know, it was childhood trauma that has come up. And, um, and yeah, and, and then next thing, dimethyltryptamine, DMT has just suddenly come back into my life. And so I had this, uh, we did a ceremony last weekend and, and uh, it was the same thing. I shot off and I, and I set intention. It was like, I need to heal my heart. I need to heal this pattern. Why did I start dating someone that wasn't healthy for me, you know, and, and it was all, all it did was trigger childhood trauma. But, you know, I had this attachment to my mom, I suppose, in there. And I just went for answers and I went in and I go into this tryptamine palace that you're, talk, that you're talking about and, and straight up I said, you know, like I need to heal my heart, you know, and, and, and help me. And they, and they just said, they said, what about it? And I said, you know, like, give me the answers. And they said, what answers? And the next thing, Aaron just split off from me. And I was like, and again, my ego. And it's just like, and it just said to me, no, it's your soul, your soul purpose. Don't worry about Aaron. That's just your experience for this realm. Connect to your soul. And then I was like, well, what about this girl? And then the girl that I was dating shot in. She's, she was naked, just laying sideways. And I said, yeah, like, I need answers about her. And I just went, why? And she just broke up and just went, Phew. And then they were just like, connect back to your soul, your soul purpose, your soul. And then I, you know, shot back out and I came back feeling like, you know, with this question of like, okay, what is my soul purpose? Who am I, you know, connecting to myself. And I was like, I just remember thinking like within five minutes, you get so much information about yourself that I couldn't even get to two weeks in silence. And I was just, um, and so that's my experience of like learning about how this is a tool that I can use to change those patterns. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, psychedelics are fantastic for that. You know, they're not, it's not just about laying back and looking at all the psychedelic mandalas it's like it's work you know and and or can be if you choose it to be and uh yeah the depths that you can go to with it uh you know with in the trip especially the tryptamines and uh 5-MeO also to another level which is another tryptamine so 5-methoxy DMT which is the toad it's it's created off the toad yeah yeah so that's that's been that's been my big journeys over the last 
six six years or so. So it started with the the doc. What was the documentary you originally? Yeah, did? the documentary was called Charms of the Amazon, and that was in the early nineties. Uh, and yeah, that was screened on on television, which blew a few people's minds out because yeah, it really uh, it opened a lot of doorways for a lot of people. Just that 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 reality existed. And then this another documentary I'll make at the moment is called The Toad, the Whale, and the Sun. So it's like a combination of a, a lot of my passions uh, over the years. It's just been evolving to to that. And there's uh, yeah, got quite a history in Mexico and various adventures and you know meeting the toad and all that sort of stuff. If you want to hear about it, yeah. Would you <laughs> would you mind telling us? <laughs> all right, where do we start? Um, okay, so the toad. Uh, the toad is um, it's a toad called Bufo alvarius. Um, and it lives in the Sonoran Desert in Mexico and also a little bit in, into the southern part of America. It's, it doesn't appear to have a, a lineage, or if it did, the Spanish were very efficient in um, you know, killing the shamans and stopping any of these uh, psychedelic religions. And Buffo may have gone underground. There's no clear evidence that it existed before, although in some journeys, which I'll go into later um i believe that it did so then it uh you know it's it's come to the west pretty much only in the last few years you know like there's a couple of doctors from mexico who brought it to the west um i was introduced to it by a guy called octavio and uh you know he he would just became an evangelist for it and just travel around the world just blowing people out and that's how i uh, came across it and then just it, yeah, someone said, do you want an experience that's going to change your life on it? Oh, yeah, sure, why not? And then I tried it and it was like, yep, you're right. <laughs> what, what was the difference between um, dimethyltryptamine, like ayahuasca and, and, and 5-MeO? Yeah, okay, so, you know, the ayahuasca is uh, NNDMT, which is a tryptamine, and uh, the toad is 5-methoxy-DMT. Um, so... Even though the dimethyltryptamine is the main ingredient, uh, just the, the little changes in that is, is, is a lot, you know, like it's, it's, it's extreme. Like I, I was, you know, I, I still do occasional work in the, with ayahuasca. I haven't smoked much of the, the changa or, the, or the, the crystal of extraction from NNDMT, but um, the toad—it's—it's um, it's really it's got my interest. Um, I've done quite quite a bit of work with it in different areas uh, over the years, and yeah, it's—I guess um, you know the tryptamines. A lot of people know, yeah, the, the NNDMT as ayahuasca or as changa, and and that's the the ayahuasca is probably a bit more workable because it gives you more time to sort of go over things and you're guided a little bit more and and that's when you can i think you know go more into resolving traumas and asking questions and doing work you know with the ayahuasca smoking the the DMT hasn't really been a strong calling for me um but with the toad once I was introduced to that, yeah, it's hard. It's you know, it's really hard to put words around. You know, what's the how do you explain colours to a blind man? But um, it's uh, probably the closest quick description would be like being shot out of a cannon into the heart of God. You know. Yeah. Um, and what do you mean by God? Well, yeah, it's funny. You know, a lot of people, 
you know, <laughs> were atheists before they tried, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, tried the toad, and they've just gone, oh my god, there is a an intelligence there, like source, and you you basically merge with source, you become one with Energy, source, with, with love, with God, whatever name you want to put on it, you know, with. I guess source is the closest thing that I can think. You know, just this this light which this creates everything, and 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 is that we are all part of. So it it gives you a glimpse of being of seeing that and experiencing that. Sometimes you have these whiteouts where it just becomes so intense and so much uh, information that our brain and our body can't absorb. You just it's not a blackout, it's a whiteout. And people come out and says, what happened? You know, they've got absolutely no memory at all of what happened, you know, five seconds after they took the token until, you know, 15 minutes or 10 minutes when they woke up afterwards and they just go into this zone, which is it's pretty much ineffable, pretty much indescribable. Uh, part of the work I, I do a bit is to try and uh, bridge the worlds um, as... Terence McKenna says that's one of the roles of the shamans with the ayahuasca is to be like gadflies to go back and forth between the worlds. So I've been experimenting with different doses so that um, I can keep like one little toe in this world and then, you know, the rest of me, whoever I is, is is in this other world and then being able to uh, interact between the, the two worlds and ask questions and bring energy and information you know back and forth a little bit between the worlds yes and how do you see is you doing that as your part to help other people like what is that like is that something that because i it's funny i always think and this is what my last journeys just told me like everything was telling me from every different angle was heal myself so i can help heal others it's like heal myself so I can be more in my soul and connected to my soul purpose to help heal others. It's like for you doing it and learning this, what's the, the purpose for you? Uh, I guess I've been an activist for a while and, and you know, arrested more times than I can think of, challenging the system and trying to make the world a better place. And so, you know, I started off on the front lines and then I thought, well, I can actually be more effective having a camera and filming what's going on and then getting that information out to people and and now it's gone another level where it's like actually you know what i can be more effective instead of being on the you know front lines in in bar and challenging you know the the whole mandating vaccination story that i can be more effective connecting with the whales connecting with the sun connecting with the ocean connecting with myself and bringing in an energy into this into this onto this planet and into the psyche of humanity to assist in evolution that way yeah. um, i think all ways are relevant it's just i've been called to work in a slightly different area now yeah it's like be the change you want to see in the world i always say that but it's like yeah love so you can spread love and it's funny it's it's just because i've been learning so much about trauma and our own trauma and it's like hurt people hurt people you know what I mean? And it's like the more you can help heal other people's trauma and generational trauma is how much you're going to help people connect back to source, connect back to their soul, connect back to love to be able to, you know, like that's what I always think. Like like whenever I can love someone and give them love and they feel seen, they feel loved, 
you know, they feel validated. It's like they feel better within themselves. How are they going to show up in the world? They're going to start, show, you know, they're going to show up better. They're going to spread love themselves, you know. So I can kind of relate to that with um, exact. Well, I can 100% relate to that. So what's your your journey with it now? So this is this documentary. Like, say so you've you've met the toad. Mm. You've, you've gone. You've met it in Mexico. You've gone into it. You've realized like, okay, there's something else here, you know. And and you, and you want to share this. You want to spread this to the world. So what? Where has that journey taken you? Yeah, well, I was going to make a documentary about telepathic communication with whales because whales have been a really big part of my life and, you know, for the last, you know, 15 years and certainly since I've had Migaloo. The yacht the, that we're sitting boat, on. Yeah, Migaloo too. Uh, so whales, I believe, are like yeah, they're the gods of the ocean, you know. They're, they're holding a special frequency and in a way, you know, what I've felt before, especially doing toad medicine, listening to whale song and, you know, various, yeah. you know, ceremonies I've been in, I, I feel that they're actually like the, the gatekeepers of the Akashic fields, you know, which is like, you know, source consciousness, you know, and, yeah. and, and they're, they're the gatekeepers here living right with us on the planet, you know, and we can experience them. And, and I do every year, I, I usually spend, you know, two or three or four months with them during their migration, you know, swimming with them, listening to their song, doing ceremony with them and really connecting on a, you know, a deeper level as, as I can with them. So the, the whales have been a really big part of my life. So, but then I got introduced to Toad and then I realized, wow, Toad gives us access into the realm that the whales, are the, the gatekeepers for. And um, so the whales were giving me glimpses of of this this reality, especially when they eyeball you. You know, you look into their eyes. It's like a it is like a, mm, a blast of toad deep, in a way. You know, because it's um, it's like they're they're the gatekeepers, and through the eyes you can access their energy through their eyes. But with the toad, it opens it opens that door. You know, like the the, the toads are like the gatekeepers as well, and. Um, when you go into that experience, the doors swing wide open and you just take in as much as you physically or spiritually can before you get knocked on your back. And so, so then, and, but then when I was in Mexico, I really got introduced to sun worshipping, which was quite new to me. And I, I just, someone told me, you know, oh yeah, try sun gazing and, you know, sun worshippers, la da da. So when I went to Mexico, I went to some of these temples, you know, the Tetuacan, the, the, Temple of the Sun, which is the same size as the Egyptian pyramid, by the way. It's it's massive. The, the Great Gap is. It, they had it in Mexico City. They were, and it was built as a a temple to to honor the sun. So I mean, I could I could tell you you know a little story there. You know, like one time I I went up there at, at sunrise to just to do that. You know, to tune into the sun. You know, really on the top of this temple. You know, which and uh, I just had a, you know, a, a nice size pipe. And then, um, and then I just felt the energy from the sun. Like, and it's hard, you know, people say, oh, yeah, watch the sun, put sunscreen on, you know, the sun's our enemy, you know. It's not, you know, it's, it's, it's our... It's our life. <laughs> without it, we wouldn't be here, literally, yeah. you know. Uh, and neither would nothing, anything else on planet. So... You know, the sun is, is the giver of life. And I used to think, you know, a long time ago, oh, sun worship is a rock in the, in the sky. You know, that's ridiculous. But 
now it's like you know the sun is like the giver of life so i i felt that i felt the core of it you know i felt the transmission from the sun but not just this sun it's like i feel the sun is like a, a holder of the light as well you know and it's a if you you know the it's been said like the suns are like the ISPs, you know, and there's the Hunabku, the the great central sun in the centre of our universe that yeah. transmits what uh, frequencies and vibrations need to go out into different, you know, nodal points around the the universe to help the evolution, not just of humanity, but of consciousness of life on the planet. So our sun is getting that, and then by sun gazing, we receive that as well. And this is what the ancients did as well, you know. Like when I tapped into it with the with the toad medicine, I felt all the sun worshippers through time, and I and I went, uh, you know, I was basically initiated into to being a sun worshipper, and just went, oh my god, this is this is real, you know, this is the here is the sun, and we're 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 one, you know. We're, yeah, you know, it's interesting. It's like everything you just said it's like in a way you can't deny even back to the whales it's like you listen to a whale's song you it just ends up closing your eyes and calming you it calms your body it calms that frequency right then the sun every time we sit there and feel that warmth of the sun and taking that energy for me it's really weird for me if um on overcast days i get this haziness and I can't function and I can't think much. And as soon as the sun comes out, I have all this beam of energy and I like I, I, I run around, you know. And it's and it's um, it's so interesting when you take it that one step further and actually just connect to it and realize that these things, you know, like are powerful. Mm. You know what? Last night you told me a little story. Is this about you had a vision of the pyramid? Is this the pyramid? No, it's actually another pyramid. So there's there's two pyramids that I've done ceremony on in in the in Mexico. There's the Pyramid of the, the Sun, Teotihuacan, in Mexico City. But then uh, I was drawn to this uh, other pyramid uh, down in the Mayan, uh, it's a Mayan ruin. Um, and I actually had a vision of this at the very you know, first second that I experienced the toad medicine uh, six years ago, of this pyramid and doing ceremony on top of this pyramid. And this is um, Chichen Itza. It's uh, down in the Yucatan Peninsula. Mm. And... Um, so I, I found it on Google search. I thought that's the that's the pyramid, you know. Out of the vision. Yeah, from the vision. Yeah. So I ended up going down there, and it just happened to be full moon equinox eclipse, you know. And when I was there, it just happened to be. And so you know, I went there, and it's a big tourist complex, and they've actually roped the the uh, the pyramid off. You're not allowed to go up there anymore. It was open like ten years ago or something. And I went there and checked it out during the day and I did a little ceremony in one of the little chambers and, and just let the, the energy of the place know that I was here with the medicine, with the toad medicine, just to do ceremony if that's what's needed, if that's what's required. And so, you know, they have a light show that happens uh, there in the evenings. They come and they project a whole Mayan mythology story on the side of the pyramid. So I, I came in and I had my sleeping bag and my... My, my toad medicine paraphernalia with me and I just as I was there as I walked in I said look I'm here to do the work if it's if it can happen if it's what's needed you know let's let's do this you know and that as I walked that was your intention that yeah, you put out. yeah 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 and as I walked in there was just guards everywhere and you know there was everything was lit up and there was just no way that I was going to be able to just sort of duck off from the crowd in and and go up to the pyramid at night time which was the plan yeah so anyway we're five minutes into this projection thing that they do every night and have done every night for the last 10 years or whatever and then for the first time ever there's a 
complete blackout. Everything just shuts down, you know. And uh, and 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 I just went, oh my god, this is it. This is the time. And so while everything was blacked out, and it was only blacked out for like about a minute or two until they got more power on, I just jumped over the fence away from like the few hundred people that were sitting there watching the show and rolled into the bushes and um, and just uh, lay there, you know, for another hour or two while they packed up all the chairs and everyone left and then and then eventually just, uh, you know, sort of crawled and walked right around the edge of the pyramid and then climbed up to the top of the pyramid in the full moon. And it's a big pyramid. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's actually 92 steps and I think it's designed that way to have – you know the amount of days like the whole pyramid is built around the calendar you know yeah. um how many days in the year and then the shadow of chichen itza um, on the equinox the edge of the pyramid the shadow of that um goes on to the stairways coming up and that forms a serpent uh so you've got quetzalcoatl like serpent um, the the lizard at the bottom, and as the the edge of the shadow of the pyramid shines on that, it makes the, it makes a serpent right up to the top. So it's connecting um, heaven with earth at, at the equinox period. So that whole pyramid was built for that shadow and for that ceremony. And it's you're incredible. On, there on the equinox. Yeah, it just so happened. <laughs> wow. And it was a full moon eclipse at the same time. So anyway, I climb up there and um, and you know. It, I definitely don't recommend anyone to do this because with some people, you know, with toad especially, you can you lose control of your body. You know, you, you people can roll around or get up and run or whatever. You know, but the previous month I've been through a pretty solid initiation with you know different shamans and people in Mexico that I, I think was preparing me for this exact moment. Um, Plus, it was just calling you. It was like the, the you know, I, I kind of let the universe just kind of guide me sometimes. And you know, you, you know, you have these signs. You're like, oh, this is what I'm meant to be doing right now. Yeah. You know, so it's like you knew that's what you're supposed to be doing. Yeah, yeah. And I just, I just fully trusted. You know, yeah. as a part of the, the, the teachings from the Toad is surrender. It's completely surrender. If you try and insert your ego in there or fight with it, you're just going to get smashed. Yeah. And uh, you just you, you don't you don't do that. So you it's a process of surrender and and looking for signs and guidance and all that. So I was guided to be up there and and um you know I don't know probably since then there's been some people maybe there were some people before me but I, I, when I was up there and after I'd had that I had a had a pipe and there's this little flat spot at the top of the pyramid where you can just sort of sit down but yeah when i was up there it's like i got this telepathic message from some some energy up there that was just thanking me for being there and for doing this ceremony and for opening up like this i guess what i felt was like there was this channel of light coming down and like and the ceremony the the whole thing about the shadow and the pyramid was like uniting heaven with earth you know and so it felt like I was just, I don't know, just guided to be up there, guided to do the, the ceremony with the toad up there just to really um, open up the portal for this light to come through. And, you know, I, I actually could feel suffering. For, and also, yeah, I, I could feel some departed souls that were there, you know, because I think the Mayans used to do some sacrifices yeah. as well, you know, and... Um, and you know, there's there's been recorded. You know, one of the cenotes around there. There was lots of 
skulls mm, found like in Apocalypto, the movie. A little bit like that, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and uh, I guess it's like every religion, you know. Some of them, you know, the priests abuse the uh, abuse their power, and they don't want people to be empowered themselves. So they, you know, work out ways of making themselves powerful. And I think the sacrifice, the human sacrifice, is part of it. But it wasn't entrenched, I don't think, in 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 a lot of the you know the shamans or the people there. You know, the pe- some people there were really holding the line, and even the Mayan calendar, I believe, came through with assistance from various psychedelics, whether it was the toad or whether it was, you know, the mescaline, the cactus. I mean, Mexico's full of mm. psychotropic substances, but yeah. So, you know, I was just um, up there and just opening and surrendering and feeling my own uh, soul journey through life as well, you know, with different partners and my children and just feeling, you know, my soul's journey through life and, and how some different people had been part of that and and yeah just also really feeling you know the the energy coming through in this time you know it wasn't just for that day that was a part of it but you know in this time so it's really is a time where the you know celestial energies have they're they're there and they're just open to come down and assist but it's like they need a human to say yeah okay here i am um i'm opening the door come in wow so, did you did it just feel so powerful? It, it yeah, it's it's not me. It's it's not a ego power thing. It's more just a a surrender, surrendering into whatever is you know, without attaching any mind or anything to it. You know, and and I was, I mean, I I did have my camera up there, and there's some footage in there that'll be in the in the docker when it comes out because I try when I come out of a session to once my ego comes back into my body and you know um then i it's like remembering a dream okay so what happened then and and so i go over that and then i i i say that to camera a little bit you know so part of the part of the the doco is 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 um bringing back information from the other side Mm. um so yeah there's there was a bit of that and uh yeah it it felt feels amazing just being led there to partake in that sacred ceremony at that stage and you know i remember there was one time when i was standing on top of the stairs you know and and i had my toes sort of hanging over the edge and i just sort of leant back you know and put my arms up over my head and um and straight above me was this full moon you know like straight above my 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 crown chakra and um and it was eclipse it wasn't eclipsing at that time but there was it was eclipse on that day somewhere on the planet so it was a, definitely a, a power time and uh, uh you know some would say it was just a coincidence or some would say you know it was i was meant, meant to be, be there <laughs> and it's it's funny too cuz well, it's not it's, it's how it is when I, when I did the Inca trail when I did Machu Picchu, you know, you're up there and Cusco itself is a lemur, I think, and it's and it's all aligned to the stars. Machu Picchu, I think, was an is a, is it an eagle spread out with its wings spread out? And it's all aligned to the stars. Why on Picchu? It's all everything about it is aligned to the stars and, and this um I don't know, I just remember I was up there and after doing the hike and all these huge stones and there was this one huge stone that was um probably about half the size of this boat. And it was a door, and it had hinges and everything. And I'm looking, and I'm like, so. And the the guides just the tour guide just said, yeah, you, you know, they they hiked all the stone from down the valley, and they had a bit of a you know stone mine up here, and then they made all this stuff. And I'm thinking like, 
it doesn't make sense. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like you're looking at it with your own eyes and you're like, there is so much more to this, you know? Yeah, I mean, just look at the Egyptian pyramids too. Like we've had extraterrestrial support, you know, throughout humans' evolution. In fact, you know, some even suggest that, uh, you know, humans did mate with extraterrestrials at some time and that's that created the, the missing link from the Neanderthals into Homo erectus. So it's like, you know, I think there's definitely other energies out there uh, and it's just a matter of whether we want to invite them in. If you feel like they're uh, benevolent, um, then yeah, I think there's there's a lot of assistance we can we can get. But also with the toad, for me, it's just working directly with source. You know, there's yeah. no intermediary. There's just me and source. And then, I, well, when I say that, I, there's still the the sun and the whales and the toad that I guess are intermediaries. But it's still just opening me the do- doorway directly to source. I I don't specifically work with any you know ets or, or whatever you know it's just yeah it's direct. just with you and, and yeah. straight to love where yeah the dmt you kind of go into those middle realms something that tripped me out lately is finding out as well that they know of like you know they're finding all these pyramids around the world the one in siberia um the one that has they found that hand with the pinky on it in siberia and it's like predates human existence don't i can't remember exactly um how far graham this is a graham hancock thing but something like fifty thousand years and it had a high speed drill mark on it and they're like this predates human existence you know and then they do a dna test on it and it's australian aboriginal this is in siberia and mm. you know and then there's like these pyramids they're finding and then i found this thing the other day i was reading that there's two pyramids that they know of here in australia there's one in um in gimpy and you can actually go there and, and see it and there's one in south australia that we checked out on the map on google maps and zoomed in and it's all blurred out and at um the army supposedly i haven't been there to see but uh, the army um supposedly patrol that you can't can't get in and you're just thinking okay like what's what's going on here you know and then you you know in the experience that i have you get you know you go to an egyptian planet <laughs> it's like it's just it just that's the thing it just for me it just goes oh there's way more to it you know what i mean it's just like this existence right here this this game this society yeah i get it but it's just like there's just deeper and there's connection there and it's like i feel it the more i connect to that the more i connect to the natural world the more alive i feel the more love i feel you know when i live in the bush when i'm sailing on the ocean you know Hmm. and it's like um the only thing that stops me i think from me connecting to that is my own trauma and my ego yeah i mean it's one of the big teachers with these medicines is is seeing your ego as a separate entity you know, and it's like your soul journey and then your ego is like the clothes that you put on to assist your soul's journey. And with the, the toad especially, you know, the, you see all the little games that your ego plays and you go, look, ego, it's all right. We don't have to feel protective or we don't have to feel angry or we don't have to feel this or that. You know, I can see what's going on here. So you have this dialogue with your ego and so you're able to more accurately choose your own path, you know, mm. yeah. And and I guess you know one thing with the with the toad, what I've felt too is it's not just your personal path, but I, I start seeing um, humanity's path, and and sometimes I've gone into these realms with you know various um, intentions, and I've seen like battles between the light and the dark, you know, vying for control, and you know I, I guess I, I'm sort of 
working with the light to assist that as much as possible. But I've I've seen dark energies like you know you can you can see expressions of it you know sometimes playing out like the the whole well it's not just the capitalist system the communist system but also when you look at and you know i I don't want to sort of create um division amongst your listeners here but i think there is actually quite a, a dark agenda going on with the with the with the vaccine story that's happening at the moment you know i I think there's some dark energies that are working to um, to put in more control of humanity at the moment, and the vaccine, in a way, is just a it's a cover story for what's going on underneath, like with the you know the cashless society, the digital records, the you know absolute complete control over everyone's life. That um, these energies, we'll call them dark energies, are, are trying to manifest so i see we're in a, a in, in a quantum shift in consciousness at the moment and this is something i'm going to be exploring a bit more in my film but yeah we're we've got the light and the dark working really hard at the moment and and these medicines like you know the tryptamines they're coming in at a time now to to help uh humanity work with the, the, the light, light and to see what's going on and to ch- help to channel that light into humanity so that we can choose, you know, light and sovereignty and, and love over fear, hate and separation, which is one of the agendas, I think, that's being pushed by our governments and various governments around the world at the moment. Yeah, that's, yeah, man, it's it's so freaking interesting, especially like, you know, love to fear. And when you were saying that, I was just thinking like, when you said that, I just went, wow, that is the oldest story of mankind. Love versus e- evil, light versus dark. You know, heaven versus hell. And, and also divide and conquer, which I see is a strategy being used all around the world at the moment too. Mm. And for fear. Yeah, it's pretty funny. I was watching this, you know, the, the face recognition that's happening in China right now with the cashless society in that town and the face recognition. And they've got a point system, you know, of how how good you are as a person. And if the more points you have, the more the more you play the game, the more you're allowed into places, the higher ranking you get. It's just, you it's, know, it scared me. And then, and then, scary, man. if you, you know, jaywalk, they facial recognition. They, um, you know, yeah. you get you get a fine. They just deduct I mean, it out of your account. But that's we're we're in the beginning stages of that at the moment. I mean, you know, we talk about, uh, you know, I used to warn people about a vaccine passport. You know, they say, oh, that could never happen. Look, we're in it at the moment. You can't go into shops. You can't do this. You can't do that unless you've got a vaccine passport. And it's like. What? You can't even travel into Queensland or New South Wales. You can't even travel overseas, you know, um, without this, the, you know, the mark of the beast, really. Mm. Um, and then, you know, we're seeing, you know, Woolies look like adapting a QR system where you don't even use cash anymore. It comes straight from, you know, you pay with a QR code and it's the, it's the, it's the digital welfare um tracking system you know and we're all we're in it you know it's not a conspiracy theory it's actually we're living it out now and and but but it doesn't mean that we have to we we don't have to buy into it we don't have to consent basically like they need our consent and what a lot of people especially around Byron and Mullum are doing is they're just saying I don't consent even shops putting signs up on the window saying we don't discriminate we invite you in you know whatever your medical choices are and yeah. uh, and they're just not buying into the sy- into the system. Well, that's coming from love instead of fear. Yeah, yeah. You know what? It's it's. 
I have to be honest and say that um, I've just been so far out of this, like of everything. Like I don't follow the news. I don't follow anything. And, and, and so I'm really naive in a way. And so like I, you know, I got stuck overseas with COVID when the world was shutting down. It was a really scary thing. And all I did was see fear around me. And that's, that's when I really realized that if you fear, you die. Because not only do you, do you die, you can't react. You can't react in a, in a rational way, but you actually lose yourself because you start, you lose love. And I just experienced, a, it was a hor- horrible experience getting caught overseas and, and, and just seeing humans like in such fear and reacting in such a way. And then when I got home, I've just been doing my thing. Like I live off grid you know, on the bush in Crescent Head. And then, you know, I came up, I escaped the border when everything was going down. I was like, oh, I'm going up to Queensland for a bit. I've been working up here. Now I'm sailing, doing this trip. And I only had, just before I set sailing, I thought oh, I'll call a few mates in Byron just to check on them. And I didn't know anything about this. Hmm. And um, and I've just been really shut off because every time I talk to my mum, I haven't been able to talk to my mum because she's in such fear. Because, you know, my mum my and my stepdad just sit there and listen to the news. And, you mm. know, I'm just kind of living my life and having fun. And and really, lately, I've just been doing heaps of work on myself and trying to connect to my own heart more. And then I give mum a call and she's just in this panic of fear of... And I'm just like, what? Like, and the energy that she has when she talks, she's so scared. Mm. And my stepdad, they're so scared. And they're just so... And they're just... And I just... I, and it gives me anxiety. It's like, I can't live like that. I can't... Mm. I can't... You can't give me this fear because... I'm not because I'm not in it. Yeah, okay. Yeah, I'm naive and and maybe I should be. I don't know. The thing is, I just don't know, and I'm just like live my life. But all I can see is when other people fear God, it affects mm. me, and then and then they it's hard for them to come from love because it starts being divide. They start putting it, pointing the finger at someone else, saying like, "Well, we need a fear. Like this person's going to wreck it for all of us because they're mm. not playing this game." And, mm. and I, I, there was a great meme going around with the asking the Hamish, "How come you guys don't suffer with fear?" Says we don't watch the television. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, no. Yeah. How come you, you're not affected by COVID? You know. And they said we don't watch. We don't. We don't buy into it. Basically. Yeah. And and yeah. I mean, it's it, it's they're just trying to sort of create fear. And you know, so many people. You know, my, my mother. You know, everyone pretty much who's watching the television and you know the seven o'clock news saying get vaccinated, all these deaths. Da 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 da. It's buying into the fear regime. And and they've started, you know, making it hard for people who don't get vaccinated. I mean, my daughter wants to come sailing. She's come sailing with me every year. She can't cross the border, the Queensland border. You've closed the border. You know, it's just like what has happened to Australia. Yeah. You know, and 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 people have been locked down, like in Melbourne, for 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 nearly a year. You know, um, just locked in their house, being only being able to go out to the local shop, you know, or, or walk around the corner for some exercise, and it's just. And people have been compliant, you know. I mean, there's a, a lot haven't. Like we saw some great um, protests in Melbourne recently, you know, against against the, um, you know, the control that is basically, you know, trying to be pushed and and using the police as the bully boys to to do their control agenda. But it's you know the the lockdowns and the vaccine is really just the smokescreen, really, for what's coming, you know. Mm. Yeah, I only saw that last week when I was catching up on everything. A mate in Byron sent me a video. <laughs> I literally am that naive. I had no idea any of this was going on. And I, I watched it and I, all I did, it just hurt my heart. The fact that I was like watching what was happening in Melbourne protests, but on both sides. 
I was like, that's not the society that I want to live in. Is You know what I mean? It's like there was such fear and anger and hate and mm. all this stuff and fight for control. And I was like, wow, this is the oldest story of mankind playing out right here. Yeah. You know what I mean? And it's divide and divide and rule strategy, which is an old strategy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the, the, the biggest thing I keep bringing it back to is, is choosing love all the time. You know, that's how we're going to get out of this. And, you know, even with all these predictions of, you know, cashless society, social credit system, or, you know, all this stuff overtaking us, we can still choose not to consent to that. And at the moment, there's like around Mullen, for example, there's people setting up alternative childcare and education systems and, and markets on private lands and, you know, different systems, you know, trading systems that, you know, they're not even buying into you know, the, the, the mm. matrix basically. So, you know, with, with, I think crisis in, in, in Chinese is, is means, you know, um, opportunity, opportunities, you know, for change. And, and, um, and so, you know, so I see what's going on in, the, in this crisis. We've got immense opportunity to bring about, even a utopian society, I know, you know, but not without its suffering, you know, and, and, and you know, there's a very good chance that, or very good, there is a chance that everyone has been vaccinated, you know, something dramatic is going to happen to that, you know, with the, with the, um, the um, mRNA vaccinations that can affect your DNA and the DNA of your children to come. So it could be that that race becomes, that that... Um, all those people become sterile, and that's the end of their bloodline, end of their DNA. And I saw that once in the in the um, in, a, in a tow journey. Is that that um, there is an end of an old way that's happening? Uh, and you know, I don't have all the answers. I, I don't think anyone does. Um, but I can. I, I know that there is a massive changes going on, and the you know the the plant medicines and and the toad and and connecting with nature and the whales and whatever are giving us uh, insights and tools of how to handle ourselves the best uh, in these incredibly massive changing times. Wow, that's so interesting. So, so the more you connect to source, the more you've connected to with fire, like to the toad. Um, the more it's helped you kind of like see this or have a vision or just come back to your heart? Yeah, I mean, sometimes I go in with intentions to 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 resolve some issue or to see some clarity and sometimes it just it just comes and then and, and also discussions with other people who have been journeying too to see, you know, what, what they're experiencing. But yeah, you know, there's, there's definitely um, energy coming through and it's no coincidence that, this particular medicine especially the toad but also ayahuasca really has only come out in the last you know 20 or 30 years as well but these the tryptamines mm. basically are coming to humanity now to assist us to hold the doors open to allow this new energy to come through um and you know it's it's you know it's not going to be met well i mean you know they already they tried to put one server in jail for 15 years who was serving ayahuasca and that you know they've put made these things schedule one basically so it's you know it's the same as heroin or cocaine you know they, they wow, society doesn't want people medicine. to use this these medicines because they basically wake people up and and they see things and they work with energies that are against the energy that's trying you know that's trying to hold on and control to control and power and manipulate humanity so they've made it illegal, um, mm. but you know, fortunately, you know, there's still, um, you know, some 
people in Mexico and around the place that um, are, are holding this medicine and doing ceremony and uh, mm. yeah. I think you can't knock it until you try it especially with intention and I've, I've, I've always loved loved mushrooms especially like if I was going to a party and just to eat a couple and feel the music you know or go see a band and then you know it's lately um you know, I've had a, a few big doses with um you know with intention and then lately I've started this breath work every weekend for the last probably oh two two months I've um you know gone on a journey like doing my breath work with mushrooms and then meditating and meditating and it's just how healing it's been for me and connecting back to myself and like really oh it's just it's just helped me so much and I you know it's something that I always recommend to someone but you got to do it with um with intention with love you got to be open to it and I did this uh meditation I had some something really traumatic kind of happened to me a couple of months ago and I was really lost in life and didn't know and I didn't feel myself I had lost my masculinity I'd lost my manhood and I and I had done it to myself and I just wanted answers and I sat there and I started meditating I started doing this breath work and I couldn't break the ego. I couldn't break to see it. You know, you know what I mean? My ego is like, wouldn't let me not control. If you kind of get, wouldn't let me take responsibility. It kept blaming someone else, blaming someone else. And I was like, I need to see, see this. And I, I went and um, got a hero dose of mushrooms and, um, and I got a big mirror. And I put it in front of me and I, and I had the mushrooms and, and I had some orange juice and I sat there and meditated and just breathed and breathed and breathed. And once it started coming on, it was turned to the mirror and I did this meditation looking straight into my eyes. And um, it was one of the most powerful things I had ever done because I was sitting there feeling so lost, so unworthy within myself. I, was, I felt like nothing, like I was just worthless kind of thing in this moment. And then I look into my eyes in the, in, in the mirror and all I see is a man. All I see is love, you know what I mean? And I sat there and I looked and I remember I, I started crying because I was seeing myself for who I really was and and that was amazing, you know? And then it was like, you know, connect back to you and go find yourself. And then, you know, I went for a walk through um through the forest and, um, and it was just so hugely, hugely growing that, that day. And it, it's, it's funny. So then, you know, I've been doing this breath work with it and helping me and then the, the, DMTs come back into my life so I've been doing ceremony with that and it was funny two weekends ago we were having a couple beers um, on the Kepler Islands and a mate said to me he's like oh and we'd done ceremony the night before he's like oh let's just have a little bit of DMT just for a bit of fun I said no mate I want to save it it's not just for fun you know I want to save it for ceremony you know he said oh we'll just have a little bit I just want to see and and I was like, oh, okay, we'll just have a little bit. Well, I'll, I'll try breakthrough. I'll try and have a learning experience and I'll, I'll give you the rest. And so I've had it and, and then passed it to him. And then I've, you know, laid back and gone to go into the experience. And it's funny, I just shot up. My soul starts coming up and then it just hits the gatekeepers, which I was saying, like the, the tricksters. And they were just knocking me back and laughing at me, just saying, you're not pure. You're not ready for an experience. Like come back when you're, when you're grounded with intention and you're ready to learn, you know. And um, for me, that was a huge like um, reminder of that it is a medicine, that it isn't something to play with, you know, that it is there for me to to help guide me if I really want to connect to it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, it's a sacred ceremony, and it's been used for thousands of years. And and the the shamans in the Amazon, I mean, they they have a, a massive sort of initiation period to train to be able to work with those realms. You know, like sometimes, like the shaman that I first drank with he had to live by himself in the jungle by himself for a year with nothing but a you know 
I don't know, even if he had a machete in those days. Um, but just, and then if he survived the year, along with some other training that he had to do, that was sort of one of his last bits of training. Yes. He, and he had to go on special diets and, you know, but yeah, it's, it's a serious training and initiation to be, to a, a guardian of those realms. It's, it's, it's not a, it's not a play thing. It's a, it's a serious science. Uh, What's the wildest teaching you've ever had? You know, like the like biggest realization going into that realm, and I don't know. I, I guess just sort of one thing that just comes to mind is is the when I was in ceremony once with the with the sun just after I'd had some toad, and feeling sun worshippers through time, you know, because you go into this timeless zone, and where there is there's you know the normal confines don't work. You know, there's no space, there's no time. You're just in like literally another dimension and when I was in that dimension I could feel like the sun opened open to me and I could feel yeah just what the sun worshippers were doing you know they're, they're bringing this energy in and anchoring it into the earth for for the purpose of our evolution you know which is yeah for me it was pretty massive you know, mm. you know not seeing the sun as just this sort of bright rock that floats around the sky and they tell you to sort of run away from it and then after that, I started doing sun gazing and 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 really uh, embodying my sun worshiping within myself, you know. And so, when you sun gaze, do you sit there and meditate and look open eyes into the sun? Or yeah, like? there, there's sort of different ways, and and it's not in the middle of the day. It's only like for the last five or ten minutes uh, at the beginning or the end of the day, and yeah, I just use it. I guess similar in a way how someone might focus their attention if they're staring like in the mirror in their eyes or the candle flame or whatever but it's it's just go into a mindless state and just look directly into the sun sometimes like the indians have been doing it for a while and, and they say you know you, you you work upwards you know doing like an extra 10 seconds every day so that your your being can absorb that light so sometimes you know you might only be able to look at it for 30 seconds and then some people who put an extra 10 seconds on every day you know after a while you know they can like like now I, I look into the sun directly for the last at least 10 minutes of the day mm. and sometimes in the other periods you know I can sort of look into it but just squint a little bit and one thing I've done too recently which has been amazing is when the sun is just touching the horizon of the water look at the sun through binoculars and that's another another level as well. Wow. You know? Yeah. Wow. Have you always like lived through your heart, or like when you were a teenager, did you did you have like an awakening, or like were you a little rat bag, and then you know have you just grown? I I just I never go on Facebook. I went on Facebook the other day to do something, and this like memory came up, and it was like fourteen years ago, and it was me writing a post. And I'd written something and it was something I would never even say or even do. And I was like looking back and I'm like, did I write that? Did I post that on Facebook, what I said? I was like, that's not me. And I like looked and I was like, it was so hard to think about who I was or whatever. But it was, it was also so beautiful to see like how much I've grown within myself. You know, like how much I was like that message that I wrote came from ego. It came from hate. You know, it came from, it didn't come from love. You know, you know what I mean? And I was just like, wow, I've actually kind of patting myself on the back I'm like well I've grown a bit but it's like you know like Sage like he's just straight from the heart already as a young kid you know your son it's just like for you did you 
did you like have an awakening and start coming more into yourself and your heart start loving the environment or were you just born like that uh yeah i don't know i I guess you know everyone comes in with certain karma i got brought up in a you know middle class family with lots of love and and then was given lots of opportunities to just live my passion and and you know i I guess i was you know bought a farm really early in life and just you know was able to get into filmmaking and activism and stuff so really early in life so i I just was able to follow my passion you know and i was supported in that uh and then with the boat and the whales and the filmmaking it's just um and then just getting being open to following where you're guided you know and sometimes you know i might get a little whisper in my ear to sort of you know do a take a certain path and yeah and then things just opened up you know with the with the toad medicine i guess with to take everything to another level completely mm. and it's just surrendering to that and and also just bring it back to love all the time bring it back to love what's well, you know, it's pretty funny, you know, everything that you've just said, you can just look at as an example of how you live your life. Like you're right now you're in Queensland sailing, you know, with your beautiful girlfriend and your son's on his boat over there and you're just sailing the East coast. You know, yesterday we foraged for oysters and that's what you ate for dinner. Yeah. You know, like, and you're living this amazing life and you seem quite happy and, and you're healthy, you know, and, and, and again, like and you, the coconuts too, that and were the, co- the coconuts <laughs> were good. Eh? But just, you know, spreading so much love. And it's just like, okay, well, it's just like, how can you deny anything you've just said of your own experience that has led you to a life of like living so free and, and happy? Look, it's, it's, it's hard not to judge, you know. Like I, I try and catch myself whenever I go into judgment. And there will be people who are listening to this which will judge me. And that's okay. You know, it's fine. I'm, I'm okay with that. Especially because a lot of people still have a lot of trust in the government and in big pharma and you know the medical profession and you know the that's they've built their foundations on that structure i haven't you know i've 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 built it you know walking with the invisible people in the jungle and the shamans and the and the medicine and you know different things so i've i've got different foundations you know i, I think if people you know can be open to look at a different way then, then that's useful um, you know, maybe there'll be some people who listen to this interview will go, wow, I never saw life in that way before. I always just trusted what I watched on the seven o'clock news and that was my world, mm. you know. And so, you know, if that happens, great. And if they just want to write me off as some stoned hippie, then that's okay too, you know. That's, yeah. that's whatever. I'm just living my truth and being honest in that and, and, and choosing love consciously as, as much as possible. Yeah, fuck, that's so brilliant. Sage, your son and I had a, had a chat this morning, you know, because I said, you know, doing the, vulnerable, uh, being, doing the podcast for me has always been so vulnerable, but I just, I just gave up straight away and just went, you know what, this is what I want to do and this is me and I'm just going to share that and if someone likes it, they're going to like it and if not, if not and because and Sage does a, a YouTube channel, is it the Mirror and the, the Mirror and the Man? Yeah. And um, he said he gets a lot of love from it, but he also gets a lot of hate. You know, like he said he was caught in this storm and it just came out of nowhere and he didn't have a life jacket on and he didn't have time to grab it. It just all, you know, he had to react in the moment as you do. And, you know, people that don't know that story, you know, started like putting really bad comments to him about, you know, being reckless and not having a life jacket and everything. And I said, yeah, dude, but like, 
you don't listen to that. You don't worry about that's someone else's story. You don't have to take on that story. I said, your story is you're living your truth of how you want to live, right? And then if it reaches one person, and one person, it helps them live their truth. Mm. It helps them to connect to their soul purpose. Mm. I said, isn't that that's spreading love right there? Yeah. You know, that's the whole the whole purpose it's like even with this podcast i just i just want to do it so i can make cool people like you you know and sit down and have these like really interesting conversations and meet different perspectives and learn because i'm open because you know like i don't have to take on everything that everyone says but i can learn from this and i can learn from that and i can learn from that just whatever you know works for me but it's like then when i share that it's like it's like sometimes it just means the world to people mm. you know because it just opens up this thing for them they go wow you're exactly what you just said you know someone might sit here and listen and go well you know what it's like okay i have never met one person who's done ayahuasca or dmt that hasn't grown from it that hasn't grown within themselves that hasn't been more connected to their heart or more connected to their soul you know even if it's just a little bit mm. i've never met anyone that has done that that has uh, you know, one mate of mine was like, oh, this is too much. I saw too much. Mm. You know, it's too much information at once. Yeah, well, I, I guess I should say something there that these medicines aren't for everyone and they don't need to be for everyone. Mm. It's like there's a few mavericks out there that are pushing the boundaries and, and, and going in and, and doing work in these realms. It doesn't need everyone to do it. You know, it's just it's, if, if it's your calling then it's your calling. You just mm. got to be, you know, sensitive to what your calling is. And especially with the toad medicine, I, even though it's been my ally, I actually wouldn't recommend it, you know, yeah. to, to most people, you know, like it's someone f has really got to have a strong calling to go there because it's, it's, it's strong, you know, yeah. it's the strongest medicine there is. And some people, there's been, there's been casualties, you know, not death, but, um, mental casualties for sure you know we often get you know people writing in and saying um you know uh, what the fuck's going on i haven't been able to sleep for a week and and i feel like i'm getting these flashbacks all the time and i can't relate to anyone or society and you know it's 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 not a free lunch you know you you gotta you gotta earn it and then sometimes it's you've got to have done you know it can bring up your shadow stuff you know like dmt some people have said it's the best or the worst experience you can have in your life. And the same with the toad, you know, it yeah. can be the best or the worst. And, and a lot of it is to do with working through your shadow even before. Like I, I would say to people, you know, go and do your shadow work with ayahuasca and, and the other plant medicines before you come to toad because, you know, you'll get your ass kicked solidly, you know, if you come in there with mm. big ego and big shadow work still to do. It's funny and exactly what you just said. It's how it, I couldn't find it. I really wanted to try it and it just turned up in the in the time of my life when I needed it and I learnt so much and then it went away again. I never saw it again and then suddenly it's just turned up again. And I always, um, I'm in a few ayahuasca groups, groups and I still haven't been able to do ceremony. I was supposed to do it the weekend that I came up to Queensland and the lockdown in Byron, it all got cancelled. And I was just like, wow, you know, okay, I wasn't meant to do it. But all my, a lot of my friends, they say, you know, they're trying to ta chase DMT or ayahuasca for the experience. And I say the same thing to all of them. Mm. It'll find you when, you're, find ready. You when you're ready. It'll yeah. just turn up when you're ready. Yeah. You know, and I, and I think about it. I even think about um, when I was supposed to do that ayahuasca retreat. That was a couple of days after I'd just done this ceremony into my eyes and I was still processing that. And that was literally that week of my life 
you know, I had a few things that happened, these triggers that happened. I've never had anything like it in my adult life. And it literally was the darkest moment of my life. And I was looking going, oh, this will be the answer. This will help me, you know, like learn. And then next thing it gets canned and, you know, I'm, you know, being pro and I had to, you know, process. And now, now that I look back, I was like, wow, it was like the state that I was in, in that week would have been the worst time to, to go into that, you know? Yeah, sometimes there's a higher energy looking out for you, and sometimes that's I call them my guides. You know, the guides all, you know, start pulling strings to either make it things happen or just go, no, nah, it's yeah. not ready for that now. Wait, who are the tricksters and the jokers? Yeah, I I think they happen more in the NN DMT realms, like with mm. uh, smoking the the changa and and also a little bit in the ayahuasca realm as well. With with the toad and with the times when I've had ayahuasca that have been in a really well held circle, I don't encounter that so much. Yeah, but I I, I understand that uh, there are lots of different energies expressed in different ways, and 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 sometimes when you open yourself up uh, with ayahuasca or toad. And these energies go woohoo, you know, with mm. the doors open. Let's go and have some fun in here. And and most of the time, you know, that can that can be dealt with. Like you've got your other guides that are going, no, you're not welcome in here. I'm. That's why when you set up a space, it's important to set up a clean container so that you ask for your protectors and your guides to be there. So that if these other entities are around, they're 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 not welcomed in because your protectors are there mm. holding space um I, I had this weird experience where i went in and there was these demons it's funny i've had experiences where i've seen demons in other people that i know they're there and i see see a dark entity in them and that anyway I, I i went into this realm and there was a guy that i knew he was in there and then suddenly out of his soul just came all this dark energy and it came straight at me and I suddenly had all these demons in front of me trying to hit me and trying to get at me. But it was weird. There was a white light just protecting me, like right, mm. this film straight in front of me. And they couldn't get at me. And then next thing, the crystal, I only describe them as crystal childs, but, you know, these angels with wings came down and just kind of like pushed them and filled the space back up with love. Yeah. And I was like... Yeah, well, that would, that would be, uh, you know, if you want to give it a name, you, your guides, your protectors, mm. you know. Yeah, and then I've had this other realm where... Um, where it's like a travel in uh, ego first splits off and there's like a dark shadow like a shaman like an old entity there and it's weird he doesn't say anything verbally but you know what he's saying to you and he's just always telling me like it's okay like let go and go in let go and go in and learn you know and um it's so funny this i've never done a podcast like this or opened up like this because you know it's your own experiences but it's one that this is i've never understood this why like every before this point, two years ago, every one that I went into, I I came into Mother Gaia first. And Mother Gaia was this beautiful entity that lifted up my soul and filled me with love and seduction and beauty. And I just, just loved me. And it was weird when I met that girl that I shouldn't have, that I should have dated because she triggered me so much and, and brought up so much that I needed to look at myself and do my shadow work and look at my inner child and look at my own trauma she was that entity mm. and it's funny she's now gone and out of my life and that entity isn't there anymore when i go into that realm and i'm just like why why did i have to learn this you know it was mm. just it was telling me because like i had to i had to go experience that with that woman mm. you know 
Yeah, I mean, sometimes that uh, relationships and karmic stories can be brought forward when you go into the tryptamine palace. You know, I, I've I've had that uh, quite strongly um, a number of times uh, with the with the toad. Is that I've I've seen people in this life in in this three D world, uh, and I've seen what our karmic story is. But I've I've also felt them in the in the astral world as well as shamanic entities and that we existed in past lives but we're but we're we're, we've come back together now to to offer each other some learning but also to do work in in this 3d world as well so yeah there's there's all sorts of things going on in all sorts of dimensions i I haven't figured this this part out yet all i know is is that i'm thankful that i had to you know, have those lessons. I didn't want those lessons because it was hard and confronting, <laughs> but I'm like, it's made me actually look at myself so much more and do this healing and like do this inner work and do shadow work. And, you know, it's like, hmm. it's been the most hard, but beautiful story. And it's now it's for me, like this teaching me, like showing me to connect back to my soul. My question is, is like, and seeing my shadow, through this girl and seeing that it's like, well, how do I want to show up in the world? But this one opportunity that I have, it's like, how do I want to show up? That isn't how I want to show up. You know what I mean? And it's like, it's been showing me to connect back to my soul, my heart, heal myself so I can help heal, heal others. And, and I'm doing it through the podcast, but it's just like, it's just like, I don't know. I don't know how to explain it. It's just like, I've had to really have a hard look at myself and go, okay, what, how do I want to show up? What's my hero? Who do I want to be? Who am I? and be that person you know and that is living your truth yeah they're the big questions living your truth living your passion fearlessly and again consciously choosing love wow i suppose that's that's your message hey living can you may you say that once more living <laughs> living your truth living your passion not letting fear control you and choosing love consciously yeah that's the hardest thing to do sometimes yeah, well, it, you think it is. It's actually quite easy. Yeah, I mean, it's easy to get for your shadow and for your traumas, which is your ego's job is to try and protect you from facing those traumas. You know, oh, don't talk about father. You know, don't talk about the war. You know, it's like that's the ego's job. You know, to protect you. But when you're able to separate the ego using these plant medicines and whatever, then we start you know, being able to be more in control of our own soul's journey. Wow. Fuck, this has been an interesting conversation. <laughs> well, so this documentary that you're doing, The Sun, The Whale, and The Toad. Yeah, well, The Toad, The, the, toad, the Whale, and The Sun. <laughs> <laughs> the same three, but in that order, yeah. yeah. And when are you going to have it out? Or oh, my goodness, that's a good question. I mean, I've been shooting and editing this for the last five or six years. Wow. Yeah. So, so there's a lot of experience in there. There's, you know, and there's, you know, lots of things have happened and, and you know, I've, I've got a rough cut, you know, like a 50 minute rough cut that's out there and I'm just, I've got so much material, like I'm thinking I'll probably put it out in two one hour parts Yeah. and, you know, spanning that time and, but also, you know, I'm nearly looking at changing the title to Toad. The toad, the whale, the sun, and and CV, you know, coronavirus. Because, oh, yeah. because, I, what's going on at the moment is we're in a quantum shift in consciousness, and that's happening, you know, in a way thanks to the coronavirus because it's it's pushing us, pushing everyone 
into areas of where they were uncomfortable and uh and then they've got to make a choice you know uh some have already made that choice and they've taken the jab some have have gone well no i'm going to choose you know yeah. love over fear or or whatever label they want to give it um but yeah that the, the virus you know coronavirus is 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 a, a trigger for human evolution and that's what the film was originally before you know toad the well in the sun but since making the film you know i've noticed how the coronavirus is is a huge part of our evolutionary process that, that we're in at the moment and so maybe that's why i didn't release the film three years ago or even two years ago but you know maybe in the next six months it'll it'll come out <laughs> yeah and where what platform will it be on look uh it's too crazy for any commercial network, you know. No yeah. one would touch it. You know, I've even had advertisers not even advertise on YouTube when my some of my stuff comes up. So it'll just be, you know, I'll set up a a pay to view platform. You know, maybe Vimeo or something, and people can just pay, you know, five or eight bucks or whatever to to watch it, and then you know, pass it on to someone else. Um, you know, some, somehow I'm still working out the marketing process yeah, of how to get it out there. I wonder if Gaia, because they have some pretty out there stuff. Yeah, maybe. Uh, might even be too out there for them. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, we'll see. We'll see what happens. People will hear about it. I'll make a big fuss online. and. Yeah. Well, I don't know. I follow Terence McKenna and, you know, he's been on Joe Rogan quite a bit and he gets away with really opening up these realms and he's quite mm-hmm. such an intelligent dude and his brother was so intelligent and they really really opened up this stuff mm. yeah. yeah well i mean when i made charms of the amazon i was going to interview a whole bunch of different you know psychonauts for the for the doco and then i met terence and then i did an interview with him and then i started listening to his stuff and i went no nah, he says it all so yeah. i went through probably 100 hours of terence's talks uh, while i was editing the film and then edited seven minutes out which is i just slotted in through all through the doco just absolute gems you know gold He's such a legend. Where can you watch that now? Shamans of the Amazon is online. There's been a few pirated copies floating around. Um, just yeah, just Google Shamans of the Amazon and some pirated copy will pop up on YouTube somewhere. And you can watch it. Wow, yeah. brilliant. Wow, dude. Thank you for such an interesting, interesting conversation. I've never, never, you know, I've done a few episodes about like deep meditation where it's t- taken, but I've never really um, shared my own my own experiences of my own self-growth within the um, mm. tryptamine world and, yeah. and to be able to sit and talk to someone like like yourself that's experienced so much and ha- what, one last question actually how like how many times would you have tried toad or and then ayahuasca as well like have you yeah I, i'm sort of a little reluctant to to okay, to answer, answer that. that because people tend to think the amount of times it's like a like a badge or a, yeah. you know, or something like I've had, I've had it so many times, so I'm an authority or something like that. I've had it quite a few, put it that way. Yeah, uh, enough to you know treat it with a lot of respect and um, and yeah, just see it for for really what it is. You know, an incredibly powerful tool to assist uh, humanity's evolution. And you know, if 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 anyone wants to find out more about the film or you know go on a mailing list or whatever I've, I've got a website up there at the moment called uh toad the whale uh, what is it toad whale yeah so they can check it out and then they can get informed um when it comes out and on what platform 
Oh, wicked, <laughs> Dean. So, what's your plan now after after we um, pack up this this podcasting gear? What's your what's well, your day's plan? Well, we just had a bit of a scan to see if there's any sort of uh, thunderstorms uh, coming down, and we might make a bit of a dash. It's funny that we might make a dash through this um, Shoalwater military training base, which is pretty funny. You know, we'll be going in, and there's signs there saying. Look out, bombs may be dropped in this area at any time, you know. So I think that's where we're heading today. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I wonder if they can hear this podcast and like, these guys know too much. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let's, let's Mil- use their boat for target practice. Yeah, military accident. <laughs> no, but we're, we're heading to, so we're heading more north up the Queensland coast. I'll be sailing yeah. with your son and um, you're undecided if you're going to split off and go out to sea. Yeah, where... well, we might go up to the Duke Islands. There's a island there that's got lots of deer on it. And then um, Percy's is beautiful. I've been there before. And then just finding these little isolated deserted islands up through the Whitsundays and just, um, you know, chilling out and, you know, just doing ceremony, connecting with the with the nature and the water kingdom and... Yeah, it's just enjoying life, basically, and doing <laughs> doing what I'm meant to be doing. Yeah, I think I'm doing what I'm meant to be doing too. What a what a journey this is, you know. It, it was funny because I just I just worked eight weeks, um, back in construction. I just I don't know, and and I was like, oh, I'm just gonna get back to myself, and I always do that and go to nature. And I've always wanted to hitchhike up the Queensland coast or get out. I've always just wanted to get out to these islands. These ones that and I know they're so far out. The only way to get out there is to is to get a lift on a yacht. And um, it's like, oh, I'll just hitchhike. But it was like within the first hour of setting sail, it's just how much it just grounded me. It was just like it was like five layers just came off my shoulders, you know. And then every day, within every hour, it's just more and more. Yesterday, I had my first nap. You know, I was a bit adrenal fatigue after that storm we went through. Yeah, that was pretty solid. But to but to lay down and just you know have a nap and have nothing else to do but read a book and have a nap, I was like, okay, this is this, this is, is the I, life. Yeah, this is where <laughs> I want to get to. What day is it again? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean. Yeah. All right, man. Well, let's do it. Let's get out and check this weather and see if it's um yeah right for us to pull anchor and set yeah. sail. We'll go for a sail, eh? What do you reckon? <laughs> <laughs> Dean, thanks so much for such an interesting chat. Yeah. You're welcome. Loved it. Thanks, I hope you guys like this episode. Now, remember, I've got prizes to give away for whoever shares it for me. Go on Apple Podcasts, leave a rating, leave a review, subscribe, put it on your social media story, tell your mum. Send me a message, send me a screenshot, or I'm just going to see it on Apple Podcasts anyway, or I'm going to see it on social media, and every week I'm going to pick someone and I'm going to send them an O-Penal Knife or a Diaries of the Wild Ones t-shirt. Enjoy, guys, and thanks for listening. I do it like a double.